1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News, alongside Justin Cohn, virtually from the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette. As always, how's it going, my man?
0: It's going good. You know, it's been a it's been an interesting week. I just came back from Detroit and and wanted to tell you a little bit about that because uh, I was up at the Red Wing game on Tuesday. So, oh, yeah, right? do you go often? Yes, my uh, my family's had season tickets for I think about oh, right. sixty five right. years. Yes, yes. It's weird because my brother and I have him, and I'm obviously in Indiana, and my brother's in California. So we try to make sure we both go together once, twice a year. So we went on Tuesday, and the reason I'm bringing this up is it's pretty rare that I'm watching an NHL game and getting ECHL vibes from it. <laughs> so what I, I mean never is never think that you would ever would. <laughs> well, well I, I don't know if you saw this game, so the, the Red Wings were up three to nothing, and they end up blowing the lead. But there's a really controversial goal that I believe was the tying goal. Did you, did you see this? The, the, the goaltender interference? Yes, yes. Well, you sent it to me. Okay, so well so first of all, really weird NHL rule that felt so weird to me that I almost thought this was like ECHL. So there's a disputed goal, and the referees, look at the, you know, look at the film video review to determine whether it had crossed the line. And, and maybe you're more familiar with this rule than I am. So they look at the video. They spend a long time looking at the video too and determine it's a goal. So they signal the goal and then Derek Lalonde, the Red Wings coach, mm-hmm. former ECHL coach, by the way, is like, well, hang on. We, we kind of knew it was over the line, but what about the goaltender interference? And this is what I find exceptionally weird, and I'll actually clue you in. I was texting some NHL scouts who were at the game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is weird, right? And they're like, this is the worst rule in the league. And so what the rule was, they were solely looking to see whether the, the puck crossed the line. They were not looking at all at the goaltender interference. So now Derek Lalonde has to challenge to get them to look at it again. And, of course, it's another five to ten minutes and it's like you already just spent five minutes looking at it. you you really honestly didn't look at the interference part you have to ask for that doesn't seem to be the the intent of the rule to me so of course he uses a challenge go ahead
1: yeah. sorry it's it's funny you mentioned that about the scout thing because I find that every time I'm in a press box like I usually the NHL because there's a, like a larger contingent of scouts that when like there's a TV there's a monitor in the press box like when there's a, uh, a review happening and then they announce what it is, and then the replay shows. You'll get a very swift divide of half being like, oh, screw off, and the other half, be like, oh, let's buy the rule book. Right. And I, you know, it's either way, you either hate it and you're like thinking practically, or you're like, well, no, that is the rule if you really right. think about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, well, and of course, you the know, mental it- leap. As a fan, if you're sitting at the stands, you're lucky if you get any sort of replay, right? Because they intentionally don't show you these things a lot of times because they don't want the fans going crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did have a decent look at it. But I, so you know, Derek Elan challenges it. They spend another ten minutes looking at it. I don't see how any rational person could look at this and say it was not interference. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's he's you know using his stick to push uh, Nadelkovic's Nidel- leg with the puck into the net. They rule it a goal, <laughs> and so Derek Lalonde, and of course this has now gone viral. Why he got tossed because you could very clearly read his lips. He gets tossed, and it's a tie game. Luckily for for me, the Red Wing fan that night, they came back and win. Uh, I came back and won. But the whole time I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm thinking about when we had Joe Ernst, the, the ECHO. I was just going to say, did you text Joe Ernst? I, I didn't text him yet. I should have because he he told us, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he admitted he's in charge of the stuff. I hate go- I hate the goaltender interference because mm-hmm. there's no consistency. And, yeah. and you, you don't know. And there's so many loopholes and somebody can look at it one way. and you We're know, in an
1: era where every action is being like crucified. And like back in the day, these little things, you never think about them.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, and, and, you know, I grew up in a era where I enjoyed the, the human element of these things and we're, mm-hmm. we're continuing in all sports to take it out. And
1: I grew up with an iPad out of the womb. So <laughs> exactly. We're even.
0: <laughs> so, so they, they end up ruling the goal. Derek Lalonde, former walleye coach, he gets tossed. Um, another little interesting side note is uh, uh, the Red Wings don't let uh, assistant coaches get interviewed by the media. So wouldn't they have to? Well, I I I don't I honestly didn't look to see what they did that night. I I, I would think you would, but one of the funniest things I saw, because I'm immediately on Twitter, and one of the reporters said, Well, you know, we're not allowed to interview the assistants. So here's a story I did in November, I think telling you what I think he might do. (laughs) This is this is Bob Bugner, by the way, was running the bench. Um, so, the whole point here, long winded, is it just was very ECHL vibe about it because it seems every game now I am getting a, a, a video review of a goal and half the rank doesn't agree with it. And of course, yes. it's, it's always a big goal. And, you know, it's the game tying goal or the game winning goal or whatnot. And, you know, it, it's just amazing to me that you know they, they haven't sorted it out at the NHL level. You know, we gripe about it all the time at the UCHL level. Yeah, but they're still dealing with it up at the big league too.
1: But speaking of the ECHL, like the, the issues they have, or not they sorry, the inconsistencies or like the lack of you know equity in terms of review systems and money, whatever, all that stuff. Do you have any idea like what it's like in the ML like the MLB minor leagues? A AA, triple A? Do they have because like first of all, minor league baseball. Is like the pinnacle of of semi professional sports and w- maybe not the the labor stuff, but like I mean, uh, you know, you go to double or triple eight, very much a three tier system that NHL teams are trying to do. That's why the HL has more investment. I, what do you know if, if there's any?
0: I, I I don't offhand. I'll have to talk to my my coworker Dylan Sin who who covers the tin caps here. He'll, yeah, i curious. Be, he'll have a great answer to it, but I you know, I can take an educated guess and say you know part of it is. You know, in baseball, they want everything uniform, streamlined at all of the levels. And they're also testing things in minor league baseball. So, you know, like, again, I'm in Detroit. My, my father and my brother are like panicking about the major league baseball rules and the pitch clocks and all these things. What's it going to do to the game? And I'm explaining to them, hey, they've been doing this in Fort Wayne for a year. It was no problem. Everybody loved it. Don't worry. Um, but, you know, Major League Baseball is also funding a lot of these, these rule changes. And same in basketball, to be honest. The NBA, you know, they, they fund a lot of these uh, uh, officials' reviews and they want it all regimented and streamlined as close to the big league as possible. Mm-hmm. In hockey, it's obviously a little bit different. In the ECHL, we don't have the type of cameras. We don't have the type of technology. What they're really doing is using a company called Sporfy, S-P-O-R-F-I-E. And, um, you know, they just have a single camera affixed over the nets and that's it. I mean, and they're basically looking on an iPad, the officials themselves, in uh, the penalty box area and they're making all the decisions themselves. So they're not like throwing it to Princeton, New Jersey, to the league office to have them look at it. And, you know, we're chuckling, but I think a lot of fans kind of assume that. The technology is much less at this level, but hopefully they do. Uh, you know, get it more like the NHL level at some point. So the
1: legend of Ryan Fanti continues, huh? Hey?
0: Yeah. Well, so the other thing I want to mention about this Redway game is so Detroit is up, and there was a couple moments where we thought maybe Alex Nedelkovic might. You, thought or you, you well, thought or you hoped? thought or you hoped? Maybe a yeah. little bit both. Yeah, I did, yeah. I did have the thought that boy, could I actually see this twice within about four days? Because that would be incredible. But yes, that brings us to Ryan Fanti and Alex N- Nedelkovic was one of the most recent ECHL goalies to score a goal. Just so we know he did it. Um, you know, I think it might've been about five years ago, uh, but the, you're right. You know, I, I teed it up for you. That brings us to Ryan Fanti.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So Ryan Fanti scored a goal on, on Saturday night. I'm this guy, this guy is like the human, they should call him highlight reel. This guy's always the up on the mainstream platform. putting the ECHL on the map. Um, the first, in was it 71 years for the comments?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, you know, wow. one one thing I want to make clear is, you know, uh, as we started to put this show together, you know, I of course wanted to make a concerted effort that we don't talk too much about Fort Wayne. Justin said
1: we could only talk about Fort Wayne, and we had to convince him that there was other teams in the league, uh, is yes. what he means.
0: Exactly. But Ryan Fanty is making it very difficult. And I I, I, oh, I, I can't did, blame you. I did write the line. I'm not going to tell you he's the best goaltender in the world, but right now. You could argue he's the most exciting goaltender in the world because within two weeks, the guy has fought, gone viral for absolutely decimating Wheeling's Brad Barone in a fight. He's now scored a goal, as you mentioned, the first time a goalie has scored a goal in 71 years of Comet hockey, and he's assisted on two goals. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're calling it the goalie how hat trick around here. Uh, I like that a, a goal assist and a fight in the same season. Goalie,
1: How hat trick you got to put right. that in a headline somewhere. Someone's <laughs> got to be able to weave
0: that in. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, Ryan fancy, um, you know, just to, to kind of set the scene, uh, uh, I guess a little bit here, um, you know, they're playing the rapid city rush. This is a big series for both teams, both teams really battling for uh, just to get into the playoffs, frankly. And uh, three game sets of so three and three nights between the same teams in the same building—you don't see that too often, but at the ECHL level, you sometimes do. And uh, I guess I'll save a little bit of the of the good part here, but you know, it's—I've I- never covered uh, a goalie goal before. And the puck comes to Ryan Fanti, two-goal lead. I mean, you could tell right away—he is a very active goalie with the puck to begin with he's always trying to pass the puck clear the puck do a lot of things I don't know how you feel I love goaltenders who are active with the puck not just because it's exciting but I do think it really is beneficial especially at this level when you don't have the defenseman or maybe the defensemen aren't fast enough I can see that yeah yeah I can,
1: I can under I can get behind that
0: but it is a mixed bag right <laughs> yeah that's um, more so my
1: hesitation but yeah continue sorry
0: uh so you know so we could tell right away you know he he was looking at it and he flung it really high like we're talking almost scoreboard high lands at center ice and it just it, it it wound up perfect for him because you know i don't think about this too much but he was saying if it had landed flat it probably would have deadened way before it got to the net but instead it lands a good on point, its, actually yeah it lands on its side and it's rolling. And I, I said it, I, I'm actually surprised you can't hear it on the broadcast because I said, as soon as it landed, I'm like, that's going in. <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, it was about dead center and the place just went bananas. I mean, it had a, a pretty large crowd, I think about 9,000. Uh, so, I mean, the place just went crazy. And, you know, you can see he's sk- he immediately skates out and he's celebrating. He's getting tackled by his teammates. I mean, the whole thing. And, I posted a poll at some point that was like, "What what are you more excited about, like Fanti's fight or Fanti's goal?" And the funny thing is, and I'm, I think we talked about it a little bit on this program, Fort Wayne's other goalie, Ryland Peranto, two months ago, he had um, a save, a, a we've called it the Scorpion Save. That was like number one on ESPN Sports Center and went totally viral. So, like when Rylan Peronto made that save in February, so I guess it it wasn't two months, not even quite two months, we were like, this guy's gonna own Fort Wayne for the rest of the season. I mean, it's like nobody even remembers Rylan Peronto's because what Ryan Fanty's done. But I posted this poll, and most people, interestingly, said what they're gonna remember is the fight, not the goal, not the first in franchise history. Just him decimating Brad Barone in this fight. I've kind of hemmed and hawed and, and gone back and forth. I think it might be
1: the... Mm, that's weird. My instinct first was to disagree, but I think it could be the fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's so rare for something to happen. Yeah, that a goalie never... goal
1: can happen in theory. So can fighting, but like, not really. Like, it's not really... Like, that's what made it so crazy, honestly.
0: Well, it, it was, I mean, not just it was a fight, it was just he fought so well. Yes, if, yes. If you know a little bit of the backstory, no, you're mean, right. he's, he's a very mild mannered guy, too. So for makes him, even to, yeah, that makes it uh, uh, totally funnier. So um, just a, a couple little stats here for you. Fancy's goal was only the fifth by an ECHL goalie since 2013. So five over the last 10 years. That surprised me. I actually thought it would be more. Uh, and only the second one this season, Francois Brassard of Maine had one in December, but we haven't even gotten to the best part of this whole thing. Okay. So the best part is, um, fancy when the third period starts, he starts to get a, a, a basically a little bit of a bellyache. <laughs> now we don't know this. You, up you, there. Like,
1: like, uh, like without saying the word, but Daryl Sutter said, uh. Johnny Huberto was doing when he was unavailable.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, something like that. Something you know, like that. Something like that. Like as he tells it, look, I felt fine, and then all of a sudden, the third period starts, and and the, the tummy was a, l- a little bit grumbly. But which you have to bear in mind, is we don't know this at that point. We're all watching the game, and all of a sudden, Fort Wayne scores to go up five to three, and Ryan Fancy just disappears. And the initial thought is, you know, one of the two things has happened. He's either gotten hurt or it's an equipment problem. And right. Corbin Kaspersky, who was the backup that night, he comes in for, uh, I think it was about three minutes and 10 seconds. In that time, he only had to stop a couple shots. And, you know, I see people kind of running back into the tunnel, you know, maybe they're checking on him. And then I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, it's got to be equipment. And then he, he ends up coming back into the game, and he scores his goal a minute later. So what I found out after the game was, you know, let's not dance around it too much. He had a stomachache. He had to go to the bathroom. I mean, it, it, it happens. And, you know, there's lots of little things that have come out. There had been a player who was ejected, Dan Maggio, and he's in the locker room and he's like watching the game on the TV and he's relaying information to Ryan Fancy, you know, That's like, awesome. who wants to know all these things. Like, there's literally, I think, an equipment manager was was standing outside the stall. I mean, literally giving updates. Now, of course, the big question was, was there any thought given to him not coming back into the game because they had a two-goal mm-hmm. lead, there's two minutes left, and everybody said, no, we, we knew he was going to come back into this game. So, uh, really odd situation there. We actually... Do have a clip of uh, my post game interview with Ryan Fancy, where he he's pretty awesome. openly talked about this. Because, and I want to talk about this a little bit when he's done. But it's like, do I ask him about this? Is he going to talk about it? He was pretty open about it, and I think it, it adds to the legend of Ryan. Yeah, Fante.
2: no, I know. I don't know what to think of it. Still, I'm still uh, still processing it. Uh,
0: so uh, I guess we'll we'll not dance around this. You took yourself out of the game for a little bit. Uh, stomach ache. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not.
2: Yeah, there's no getting around it. I mean, everyone goes through it. Uh, as soon as the third period happened, <laughs> it
0: just uh, hit me
2: and uh, I was kind of battling through it. And then once we scored the fifth goal, I, uh, you know, I didn't feel as bad for Kaz. Um, so I was like, just be like, just, when it happens, it happens. So I had to go to the bathroom and try to be as quick as I could. And uh, yeah, so happy just, you know, Kaz went in there and made a couple of saves and it didn't uh, didn't affect him at all.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so have you ever come close to
0: scoring a goal before? Yeah, this is great.
2: Um, I mean, you don't really get too many opportunities. It's definitely something that I've, you know, dreamed of more than probably anything, more than a fight or whatever it is, or, you know, making big saves. Uh, but, uh, yeah, one time in junior, I got, I had a chance up by two. Um, and, uh, I probably, I I got probably got better shot off than I even did then tonight. And uh, a guy made a good play and jumped up and knocked it down, like with his glove. Um, and uh, I tried to rec- tried to scramble back in my net, and he actually ended up banking it in off me and scoring. But luckily, we ended up still winning the game. So um, yeah, just happy that didn't happy that didn't uh, happen again. But yeah, I kind of just got lucky with it. Puck went on edge, and luckily, it didn't flatten out and stop. So
0: right, you you, you got to love my interview style there because you could tell I'm like, am I really gonna ask this? Like I'm like, yeah, uh, I, I love uh, the
1: hesitation.
0: <laughs> but
1: we uh, you're like, we got like, to be open, man.
0: Come on. Yeah. So I, I learned later that that he had sort of told one of the forwards, like his name's Drake Rimshaw. And he says, you know, Drake, like, like go tell them I, I you know, I, I need to go to the bathroom. Like I may have to come out of the game. And I think Drake Rimshaw maybe didn't believe him because when he skated back, Fanty was like, No, I'm serious. Like, go tell him, go tell the backup, get your stuff on because you're coming in. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So you know a couple legendary. a couple other points. So in, in case people uh, you know don't know, Ryan Fanti is a rookie. He is an Edmonton Oilers prospect. A lot of success in college. I think he is a legitimate uh, NHL prospect. He's been an absolute workhorse for Fort Wayne this year. Of course, we're going to find out a lot more of him uh, come the playoffs uh, in a little bit here. But he's been a, a really good player for him. And you know, it, it's funny. I, I don't know if you've ever had a situation. I've actually, this is not the first situation that I've had where an athlete has had, uh, where I've had to write about an athlete going to the bathroom, okay?
1: I have not had an athlete potty, bake, potty yeah. break in my byline, in an article I've written, no.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because the first time something like this happened to me, I actually sort of got in trouble. This was probably 20 plus years ago and I was covering a golf tournament and a, a player by the name of Sam Till who's a, a very prominent golfer in the amateur golfer in these parts, won a lot of championships. Anyway, I'm covering this big tournament and he's not doing so well and I'm walking along with him. And I happened to notice on, I believe it was the 16th uh, tee or the 15th tee. He kind of disappeared and it, it turned out, you know, he, he, he went to, went into the woods and, you know, had to, had to go to the bathroom. And so he ends up then coming back and I think birdieing that hole and then birdieing the next hole and he wins the tournament. And, of course, young Justin is, like, just kind of fishing for a good story. And I said something like, well, you know, what what happened? And, and he's like, well, you know, I had to, nature called. But, you know, I used that time to, like, kind of think about what I was going to do on the next couple of shots. And, you know, it was this redemptive thing. And I wrote all about it. You know, I wrote all about how, you know, this guy, you know, he went peed and it changed everything. And I did everything I was supposed to do. I showed it to people at the office. Like, you guys okay with this? I didn't take it too far, did I? Everybody's like, no, no, it's fine. Story comes out. And people are calling, people are mad. I mean, they're like, how dare you write about this? This is not what I want to write about while I'm eating my morning cereal and all this stuff. To the point I had to like call them up and sort of apologize. You know, I thought I was having fun, you know, this whole thing. And so I still, I always hear about this story. And I said at the time, I'm like, you know, a different town, younger demographic, people would have found it funny. But because I was writing about- um, Different
1: publication, maybe like different, just like different- like blog style or whatever. Yeah.
0: I mean, it was it, at the end of the day, it was, it was the older audience, the older golfing audience wasn't into what I was writing. But so I wrote this stuff about Ryan fancy and I immediately said it to people in the office. And I'm like, I'm waiting for somebody to bring up Sam till what's going on here. But I think the moral of this story is in 2023, the rules have changed. We've got a little bit more sense of humor about things like this. Ryan fancy clearly didn't mind talking about it. So it was a fun night all around. And, And one last thing, I mean, uh, uh, the the broadcaster from Rapid City, he said something to me the other day. He said, you know, when he scored that goal, for whatever reason, I looked to my left, and I just wanted to see the reaction of everybody in the press box. And he's like, it was priceless. Fort Wayne broadcaster, he's like, he was about falling out of his seat because he was so excited about what's going on. All the off-ice officials were up and cheering. Justin, you were like, sort of had this big grin on your face because you were laughing so hard about it. The fans are going crazy. It's just, I mean, it might be the rarest thing in hockey, right? Is there a more rare play? You're right. No, I agree.
1: Listen, let's get to the most pivotal playoff race in the AHL right now and the NHL slash AHL prospects that could decide them and have the biggest impact. Let's start over with Toledo.
0: Yeah, so, you know, we we chose – there's a lot of great playoff races going out. Uh, Too many to talk about all of them. So I picked out the big one from each division and some players – that are on NHL or AHL contracts that I think are really going to be pivotal because these are the guys that you want to see them step up when the pressure is really on. In the Central Division, we've got an unbelievable race for first place between the Cincinnati Cyclones and the Toledo Walleye. These two teams have been so on fire, it's almost unbelievable. Toledo is on an 11-game road winning streak right now. That is the second longest in ECHL history South Carolina won 13 straight on the road in 2015. That's insane. You might remember Toledo recently had a 20-game streak without a regulation loss. So they were 19-0-1, and that just ended last week. That was the fifth longest such streak in league history. But Toledo, it wasn't enough to get Toledo in first place. Cincinnati's still there because the Cyclones are on a 19 18-0 and two streak right now. That is, oh my god, (laughs) that is the third longest in league history. The South Carolina Stingrays in 2015 they won 23 straight games, and way back in 2007-2008 Texas went 18-0 and five. So Cincinnati, Toledo, those two teams are on a roll. Uh, It's interesting because there is a battle right now for third and fourth place. And I'm not sure if that gets you so much because it's like pick your poison with Toledo or Cincinnati. I think most people would actually probably rather play Cincinnati because Toledo's home ice advantage is such. But to talk about some players. First of all, we've talked about these teams before. It's all about the goaltenders. We are going to get a good look at Sebastian Kosa, Detroit Red Wings prospect. He has played much better in the second half of the season for the walleye. Uh, John Leatherman is up in the AHL, but the Walleye recently got Jan Bednar. He is a rookie. He is a fourth round pick out of a Katie Bathurst. He is yet to play for the walleye, but right now, assuming that's the tandem, that's a pretty strong looking tandem of two potentially future NHL goaltenders for Toledo, but Cincinnati goaltending is also good. Um, they have Beck warm. They have uh, Mark Sinclair. Um, Uh, Beck Warm, excuse me, he's on a Rochester AHL contract, and uh, Mark Sinclair's on an ECHL contract. Those two guys, really, really good as well. But let me throw at you two skaters from that series. Uh, Cincinnati has a defenseman named Zach Berzola. He has been on a tear lately with three goals, seven points. He is minus one in his last eight games, but those are still really good numbers for them. I should also throw out uh, forward Josh Pasolte. He is on fire as well. Seven goals and 17 points in his last 15 games. Both those guys, Berzola and Pasol, they are on Rochester AHL contracts. And for Toledo, Joseph Nardi, a forward who is on a Grand Rapids Griffin contract, he has five goals and 23 points in 50 games. But I think he has done better than those statistics would suggest. He will be a big player as the walleye uh, gets into the playoffs.
1: He's played AHL games too, Nardi yes. this year. Yes. It's, funny. it's always it's interesting, especially like don't look at it like from an NHL perspective, but in terms of developing AHL guys, because a lot of these teams that are investing in ECHL, it's also like you know, we're looking for depth for our our the big club being the AHL, right? Mm-hmm. Guys like Nardine Energy players, they're not gonna put up crazy point holes in ECHL. Sometimes, actually a lot of the time they do, but they don't necessarily need to, right? Like, like, like right. so I'd agree mm-hmm. with your assessment that it's probably better than the numbers indicate. Yes. Let's head down to the south. The wild, yeah. wild south.
0: Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's talk about the Greenville uh, Swamp Rabbits and the South Carolina Stingrays. They are vying for first place. As we stand right now, Greenville has only a one-point lead over South Carolina. Uh, wanted to draw your attention to a couple players there. The, uh, uh, the Clay Stevenson uh, is the goaltender. He is a Capitals contract. Uh, he has looked very good for them this year. Uh, also, Garen uh, Bjorklund, also a Capitals prospect, also looked very good in net. And they also have Tyler Wall, who's on a Hershey contract. So that makes for a great trio of goaltenders for South Carolina to watch. Stevenson, he is 17-11-3 with a 2.55 goals against, a nine sixteen save percentage, and two shutouts. Another um, South Carolina guy I want to mention, though, is forward Bear Hughes. He's on a Hershey contract. He has 22 goals, 55 points, and a plus-19 rating in 61 games. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to be in consideration for one of the all-league postseason teams. So he's looked really well. Uh, Greenville, Brett Kemp, he is on an Ontario contract. He has 17 goals and 37 points in 39 games. This is his second ECHL season. He's kind of a fringe AHL player. But this is going to be a great chance for him to show that he belongs up at the big league. If he can do some really nice things down the stretch and in the playoffs, he's going to be setting himself up much better for next year.
1: You know, further to that, I I actually was just thinking about this. Well, Clay Stevenson, is he, is this his first, is it a three-year ELC or how old? Do you remember? Because he's, was he 22 when he signed or was he a bit older of a guy?
0: No, he's pretty young. Uh, I don't remember what year of the contract he is in though. Uh, okay. I'm looking real quick here. Cuz he- I always
1: thought cuz he's someone that I mean like for the capitals like especially you got if you have 3 years of team control with a guy solid year in the ECHL and then 2 years of team control on that entry level deal in the AHL potentially, it's a pretty good cost controlled asset for yeah. my money. Yeah, like, he he years.
0: is a rookie so in 21-22 he was in Dartmouth. So this yeah. is his rookie campaign. So they should have so- him locked up for a little bit.
1: Mountain division, let's head there.
0: The mountain division, that is a wild one because uh, this is the only division that really is is not in doubt when it comes to the champion. I guess you could argue Newfoundland also is, is about got it locked up. But Idaho, I mean, they have a 41-point lead over second place, which is Kansas City. So just Idaho, just so you know, they are 52-9-3. and three which is just ridiculous, obviously. We've talked about them a bunch defensively. They are really strong. So let's talk about the, the battle for second place, which is between the Kansas City Mavericks and the Wichita Thunder. They are currently tied at 66 points. Utah is not far behind. Allen and Rapid City also not too far behind, but I think the second-place team is either going to be K- Kansas City or Wichita. Uh, the player I'm watching with the Mavericks is goalie Shane Starrett. He is on a Coachella Valley AHL contract. He's had a nice season. And and I think his number, I think he has played better than these numbers would even suggest. He is 20, 19 and four with a 2.9 goals against a 907 save percentage and two shutouts. But, but Kansas city is not the best defensive team. So he has been making up for some inconsistencies, some deficiencies with the defenseman there. Um, He's going to have to buckle down, though, because one thing, even though defense has sort of ruled that division in a sense when it comes to Idaho, there are some really good offensive teams. So if they, for instance, end up somehow playing uh, Allen in the playoffs, which is not out of the realm of possibility, Allen is really offensively charged, very good in transition. Uh, Rapid City, very good in transition, really fast team. So you have to have good goaltending, especially if you're a little unsure about your defense. So I could see Shane Starrett being a really important player for them. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, with Kansas city forward, Matthew Foget. he has come alive lately with five goals and 16 points in the last 16 games. He is on an ECHL deal with Wichita, but he is a guy that uh, could really step up and, um, you know, make some, uh, make some moves for the Mavericks and uh, with Wichita, excuse me, uh, the guy I wanted to mention with them is Mark Lewiski. He's on a uh, Barracuda contract, and um, he has only 10 goals and 17 points in 64 games with the Thunder. He's had some growing pains. He's a rookie out of the WHL, but he is a he brings a lot of toughness to that lineup for him. So he's carving a niche that is outside of scoring. He's got 187 penalty mitts. He's fought some. I don't like his minus 27 rating. I know we feel that's a guideline more than a rule, but he definitely needs to to shore that up a little bit, but not unlike Kansas city, Wichita has been a bit of a mediocre defensive team. So I'll cut him a little slack with that. But one thing with those teams out West, they do like to play a physical brand of hockey. So it is important for them to have somebody who's willing to mix it up. Even in the playoffs at the ECHL level, you do see some fighting. So I could see Lewinsky having a real role to play as things go along here. One more
1: division before we move on to our prospect of the week.
0: Yes, Let's go we'd... to
1: the North Division where we have uh, Worcester and Adirondack vying for the fourth and final playoff spot.
0: You'll get there eventually. So with Wo- with Worcester, we we'll oh like God, like to talk about Jacob Hayhurst. Uh, name. He is a shooting machine. And just to illustrate this for you, uh, I think it was about three weeks ago, he had 12 shots on goal in a game, not totally unheard of. But if your name is not Brandon Hawkins, I don't see you shooting seeing 12 shot games from a lot of guys in this league. Uh, so he is one of those guys. He is on a Springfield contract uh, that is a non-affiliate for them. They're actually affiliated with the Islanders and with Bridgeport. So he's a Springfield guy. In total, he's only played 19 ECHL games this season, but he's got seven goals and 18 points, so he's almost a point-per-game guy. He's got 72 shots in those 19 ECHL games this season. He's also played 24 AHL games this season. He has two goals and six points in those games, so that's actually not bad for a guy of his ilk stepping up to the AHL level. And with the Adirondack Thunder, excuse me, want to mention Sebastian Vidmar, He has been playing really well, 10 goals and 29 points in 39 games. He is on a Utica Comets AHL contract, really exciting player. Uh, He has four goals and 15 points in his last 11 games, so he's really been turning it on. He's also played three AHL games this year, so he's looked really good.
1: And finally, our prospect of the week, Jonathan Martin, a good good old Winnipeg native, also was a very highly – touted overage prospect at the end of his WHL career, signed with the San Jose Sharks. He's been in the pros for a couple of years now, and he's with the Rapid City Rush, where the right wing has 18 points in 29 games.
0: Yeah, so he's missed a lot of time with some injuries this year, but I I wanted to talk about him because, you know, like I said, I watched him for three games at three nights, and he's just a guy that kind of stood out because he's one of those kind of prototypical power forwards that teams are always looking for at this level. He's not the hugest guy, I believe 6'2", 6'3", but plays bigger than he is. He actually did get tossed for one game for driving Darian Kelb, who's an AHL guy for uh, Bakersfield, driving him headfirst into the boards. So I didn't like the way he did it, but I sort of liked the idea, which is just finishing your checks, punishing some guys, um, and Rapid City certainly needed that. So he's adding some blue collar to a Rapid City lineup that is missing a lot of guys they've actually had a lot of ahl nhl guys this year but right now they're really missing most of those guys due to call ups and injuries so martin really has had an opportunity and he's been stepping up rapid city as i said they have a lot of speed they're good in transition but he brings that grit that they need and I, you know he was in uh europe for a year too and so there was some thought you know what's he going to come back and be like and I know people in that organization really like him because they really feel like the upside is there. Uh, another guy that they um, did have in their um, lineup last weekend was Lucas Fuch. Uh He has been kind of ineffective this year, maybe a little bit of a reach uh, on him the, uh, the Calgary deal that he got. But I think given some time, I could sort of see it. You know, I could see maybe what the scouts were looking at. He is a skill player. He's only got 12 points in 45 games since coming over from the Swedish league. So he's going to need some time at this level, but it's going to be interesting to see what he does because as I said, they're missing all these guys. So all of a sudden he's getting a lot more playing time than he might have rapid city though. Like I said, they're in a dogfight just to get into the playoffs. So they're going to need players like Martin and Fook to, to really step up now.
1: I, that was like a Torah portion of our mitzvah, man. You were going today.
0: <laughs> go Sorry, I don't want to throw too many stats at you. You know, it's like, it's I, I, I fan know fan you don't, you don't want to sit go. there and listen to stats, but no, but, but I,
1: Hey, listen, I always enjoy it, and so sort do of listeners. But we're we'll to cap it there for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.